Welcome to the latest Packaging Europe podcast. Today we'll be talking to Dr. Jeff Wrighty from Neurotechnology. Neurotechnology is a company specialising in chemical recycling with sites in the UK, USA, Germany and Asia. In this podcast, we'll be discussing Mira's Hydro PRS advanced recycling process, as well as the recently released WWF chemical recycling principles. So first of all, thank you, Jeff, for joining us. And to start us off, can you tell us a bit more about your background and your role at Mira Technology and give us a quick overview of what the company does? Thanks, Hannah. And uh, hi, everyone. So my role is, in effect, supporting Mira Technology on science, policy and regulation. And It's a particularly important time for the chemical recycling sector because we don't as yet really have a firm basis for policy almost anywhere in the world, actually. And so my role, in effect, is to try to work with the various policymakers and regulators that have an interest in this technology so we can explain exactly what we're about, what we're trying to achieve, and then also make sure that regulation is coming in that's appropriate to support the development of the technology and deliver the benefits that we believe it can. My role is partly working into government, so not least government departments, but also some of the regulators on the ground, such as the Environment Agency here in the UK. But then also it's the very many groups and constructs that sit around recycling. Chief amongst those is the UK Plastics Pact, curated by RAP. And uh, I've just become recently the chair of the non-mechanical recycling group, which is aiming to bring together all the sector players, but also the various interested parties to make sure that we have one conversation about where the technologies are, are heading. And then also it's about where the science and evidence comes in. And this is something that WWF have highlighted as the transparency around the evidence base around chemical recycling. It's a, it's a whole new set of technologies. And so bringing science to then inform policy is really important. It's something I've been doing for about the last 30 years. And this is a really exciting opportunity for us all to really get this right first off, because frankly, we, we've got a big problem to solve. So starting with the bigger picture, what do you think the importance of chemical recycling is in helping to create a circular economy for plastics? Well, I think that the... The statistics around this would tell you that we're not doing very well. I mean, no country is doing fantastically well on plastics recycling. So broadly speaking, in the UK, we recycle about 50% of the packaging, plastic packaging that's going on the market. And that's fantastic. And that's largely done through what you would call mechanical or traditional recycling means, where basically plastic is flaked or melted and, and then basically made available to packages to use that material back into fresh packaging or indeed other products, for example. However, the big question then is, well, what happens to the other 50%? Where is that going? And one of the big challenges in the issue of plastics is the littering into the environment, the losses. We've seen all too often that this material is exported for recycling and actually ends up in entirely the wrong place. So great examples Sadly, in the Far East, in, in Asia, that led to the, even led to the China ban on plastics a couple of years ago, particularly places like Malaysia, and then more recently into Turkey. So we need to do something different. And that is partly about recycling. It's also partly about consuming less, perhaps reducing the amount of packaging that's actually going into our, our products. But I think also it's, it's about making sure that we're bringing that plastic back into a form in which it can be more widely used. And what chemical recycling doing, and it's a, it's a collective term, there's a whole range of technologies within this family, is able to take the plastic that is currently being sent to energy from waste, which is obviously releasing carbon to the environment, and that material could be readily recycled back into hydrocarbon material that can then go back round be used for a whole range of products and indeed packaging included 
and actually take hydrocarbon back into food packaging, which is the, the biggest area really where this we think this recycling or recycling process can actually make a difference because suddenly we, we, we've got this sort of holy grail that because mechanically recycled plastic has to conform to European food standard, you know, standards for, for packaging. We have to try and do something that's different that enables the packaging that's coming round the loop to be appropriate for that, that application. What chemical recycling can do is actually generate the recycler that can go back into food packaging almost uniquely. There are a few examples of closed loop packaging for food from mechanical sources, such as HTP milk cartons, but they're pretty limited. But we need to do something different at scale. And I think that's the other point here to, to, to deal with the 50% that's now being sent to incineration or lost to the environment. We have to do something big and quickly. Could you tell us about what chemical recycling is and how your process fits in with that? So currently, there's no accepted definition for chemical recycling. We work with the European Trade Organization Chemical Recycling Europe, which has come up with what we believe is a very workable definition, which in effect is any process technology that directly affects the formulation of polymeric waste, so plastic waste, or indeed the polymer itself, and then converts them into chemical substances or products whether for the original purpose for that, for that material or other purposes, but importantly excludes energy recovery. So what chemical recycling is about is, is in effect keeping that plastic in circulation, albeit by changing it into a hydrocarbon or another material that can then come back to be used for packaging or indeed products. None of our products will end up being used as fuel. The hydro PRS chemical recycling process takes advantage of supercritical water which is water at high temperature and pressure. And we use that to melt the plastic and then create hydrocarbon products from it that can then be used beneficially into plastics and other manufacturing. So the first step is the waste plastic is cleaned and sorted so that we take out any non-target materials, just leaving a nice, clean and largely polyolefinic rich material base that's going into the process. So this is polypropylene, polyethylene largely. The plastic mix is then melted and pressurized and mixed with the supercritical steam and heated to the operating conditions of the process. So around 300 bar and 450 degrees C, and then pass through the hydro PRS reactor, which has a catalyst within it. And that allows for the products to be formed basically through the cracking process that we, we create into those conditions. The mix is then depressurized and through the flash distillation process, through the, the depressurization step, we're able to separate out the products, and then those are stored ready for taking to our off-takers. The products that we, we make from this process fall into four major groups, talking about a naphtha and a distillate gas oil, which can be used as a steam cracker feedstock for plastic production, a heavy gas oil, which can be used for wax and oil production, and then a heavy wax residue, which can be used as a bitumen binder in road making for asphalt. Each of these products are going into defined markets. We also produce a process gas, which is currently being used to heat the low pressure boiler in the system. But we're looking into ways in which that gas can also be recycled back into beneficial products. So we're going to move on now to talking a little bit about the WWF chemical recycling principles. So recently released a position paper that emphasises reduction and reuse as the key solutions for managing plastic pollution. They also set out in its principles an evaluation of how it would be possible to establish a credible and effective chemical recycling system. Could you tell us about Mira Technologies' initial reaction to these principles, please? 
think the principles that WWF has set out are very workable and are very sensible. We read them with interest, but also I think the preamble that goes with the principles is also important here because what WWF has said is really that recycling is in effect one of the last resorts. What we've got to try and do is reduce the amount of plastic that's being put into packaging and into products and where possible extend the life through reuse models. So what we're trying to do essentially is make sure that when plastic is is put into a, into a product or into packaging, that it can be readily reused many, many times over. So I think we would agree with that because we want to make sure that the, the lifespan of any product is, is extended as far as possible. The principles themselves uh, highlight a range of challenges which the sector as a whole has had to deal with over the last sort of two or three years. First of which I would say is about transparency. I think the concern is that the processes that are being used in chemical recycling have been set out as being energy intensive because in effect you're trying to break up and establish a, well, a well-made polymer back into its component parts. And that does take a lot of energy to do that. Whichever diagram you, you, you look at in, in all of these life cycle assessments, there is a substantial amount of energy being required. But there again, you've got to really look at that in the round and decide really, well, is it better that this material is, is burnt or put into the ground and is, is lost to the carbon cycle, which means that we're still pulling out more hydrocarbons out of the ground from fossil resources. What's possible with chemical recycling is in effect to bring that material back into beneficial use by taking this, this waste that no one else could deal with and taking it back into valuable hydrocarbon. And what the LCAs are trying to do is, is basically under, under, present the evidence in a very clear way. So WWF's challenge, I think, is a really fair one. I think also it, they are expecting chemical recycling to deliver quite significant savings over the existing system. And I would say that Mura Technology is trying its best to make sure that those are achieved. And that's not just about the avoided carbon, it's also about being better at processing this material than will be achieved through the fossil system. And our life cycle assessment is trying to deliver that. What the principles really have set out essentially is a, is a set of policy principles. And one of those key ones is this material is used back into packaging or other materials and it's not used as a fuel of which we support. So I think as a, as a first start, we are really happy to see this come to the fore. And we hope this is an opportunity really to engage NGOs and hopefully build trust with the NGOs on behalf of wider stakeholders to ensure that chemical recycling has a fair evaluation, but is also clearly seen for what it can deliver. I think also it's important to say that this, of course, is the first time this has come to bear. You know, we, we are bringing to the first generation technologies and it may take a little while to get to this place where WWF wants us to be, but we are strong in ambition to get there. So another key part of the WWF chemical recycling principles is a chain of custody. What are your thoughts on this and how it might relate to other frameworks like the plastic packaging tax, for example? I think this is really important because it just picks up the point I made about building trust. We, we are a very small sector at this stage. The amount of recycled hydrocarbon that we can put into the plastics manufacturing system is relatively small at the moment. But within 10 years, we'd like to think that the sector as a whole, but not least the Mura technology sites around Europe as, as well as the US and, and Asia, will be able to deliver what we think to be substantial quantities of, of recycled materials in the, in the space of sort of five to 10 years from now, hundreds of thousands of tons of material coming forward. But we're still a bit of a, a drop in the ocean in comparison to the amazing amount of uh, fossil refined naphtha that's been produced in the existing fossil environment. So what we need to do is to develop a system whereby our small component is then blended with the larger scale fossil refining operations 
and that that material can be tracked. And then so that when the packaging comes out the other end into products, we can then be saying, well, this packaging here contains a proportion of recycled content. If the plastics packs is looking at 30% recycled content, the question is you can't really trace the molecules that leave our gate and then the passage of those molecules through refining into then into plastics and into products. So the sort of the existing system for doing this, which is quite well established now, is using the term mass balance. The nearest I can explain to this will be in the way that solar power is generated so that we know that solar energy is placed into the system, comes from hundreds of thousands of solar panels around the UK. No one knows which energy from which panel is going into the system and is then drawn out at the other end, either to charge a car or going into domestic consumption. You can't trace it. But in effect, you know how much has gone in and you therefore know how much can be taken out and claimed. And so it's a matter then for the companies that take our products to account for where that material goes and in mass terms, create a certification scheme so that no more can be claimed as coming out of the system as they went in and obviously accounting for the losses in that system as well. And there are chain of custody models already available. The ISCC system that's already in place is but one, but we know that that is really well established within a whole range of sectors, including petrochemical. So really for us, it's about demonstrating where our plastic comes from, how much we process, what our losses are, then how much that material then goes into the petrochemical refining and plastics producing systems. So we think this is entirely compatible and we have advised with the other members of the value chain how best this can be done, where that system could then justify transference of material from one value chain member to another, and then how much can be claimed at the end using things like blockchain to demonstrate where this material has moved from and to. So some of the other key points within the WWF chemical recycling principles include the need, for example, to demonstrate a reduced carbon footprint compared with virgin resins, to avoid negative impacts on communities' environments, and to ensure products produced through chemical recycling are then recyclable themselves. Can you talk about how Mira Technologies' operations and technologies fit with these aspects of the principles, please? So a clear, a clear requirement has been to undertake something called life cycle assessment so that we understand the environmental costs and benefits of the whole Mura estate. So from when we receive plastic waste all the way through to then processing that and then shipping off our products to our off-takers. The life cycle assessment looks primarily at a scorecard of impacts. So this would include things like global warming potential, the consumption of water, emissions, eutrophication, potential ozone depletion, and so on. And because of those various sort of scorecard measures, what you've got to assess really is, well, which ones are beneficial through the system, which ones may be slightly more challenging. And then also to look at where those impacts are coming from. Are they from our site, which will be falling under kind of scope one or scope two emissions, but they're more further afield scope three. So in other words, if we move to require different energy sources, that might change the impacts, environmental impacts elsewhere within the UK, for example, in the UK grid. But it's important that we do the LCA. And it's also important that we understand what the savings are. So from WWS point of view, they are recommending quite significant improvements to plastic recycling through using a chemical recycling approach. What we've got to demonstrate really is, well, if we avoid burning plastic by putting the plastic into a new valuable end market of chemical recycling, then what's the saving there? And we, we are already demonstrating that avoiding pl burning plastic is likely to yield 
at least a two and a half ton of CO2 saving over the current system. And that is not insignificant when you look at the many hundreds of thousands of tons that are burned in this UK every year. Then it's about demonstrating that we are able to generate our hydrocarbon in a way that is less harmful to the environment. And so our first data sets that we're now publishing really demonstrate that we are at least as good, if not better than the fossil uh, system that's currently in, in place. And that's not just in the UK, that's looking at fossil naphtha coming from China or the US. And then it also tells us really if we used renewable energy, what, what extra difference that would make. And that in the decarbonisation discussions that we're having, as is the whole sector, we want to make sure that it's not just we delivering hydrocarbon back into the market, we're doing it at the lowest environmental impact and cost as possible. And so the approach to net zero is already hardwired into our thinking so that we can be able to take advantage of renewable, but then also reduce our consumption on site. So things like energy efficiency measures, heat recovery, and so on, which will be a feature of our technology moving forward. So I think the challenge is a fair one. We don't want to jump from one system that's not working to another one that is only slightly better or actually maybe worse. But I think the reassurance needs to come in that although there is energy intensity, the value of the products that we then bring back to the marketplace is at least as good as, if not better than the current system. We believe that we can beat the current fossil system. How do you think that companies like Mira could work with organisations like WWF to bring those things that you've spoken about to realisation and kind of support and improve the chemical recycling industry? I think it behoves all the companies in the sector to be publishing as much data as is possible, recognising there are commercial considerations and patents here that would give NGOs on behalf of wider civil society that confidence that this set of technologies is delivering benefits. Without without that collaboration, then the trust will not be formed. And we would expect to be having major discussions with policymakers for many, many years, rather than seeing this as what it could be. We need to get past the evidence. If we get the evidence right, and everybody believes the evidence we're putting forward, and our approach in effect is to work with independent academics so that the papers that are published are not commercially driven. They are based an evaluation based on our processes, but undertaken by independent experts. We believe that is the right way to, to go to build that trust and transparency between ourselves and the NGOs. So we are very much open for this. In my background as a regulator and then working in the NGO sector myself, the, the clear need is the right scientific evidence that everybody can point to and go, yes, we believe that. That is apparently fair that has been well conducted and therefore the policy should be made on that basis. Also then thinking about the global picture in terms of plastics recycling and other relationships with organisations, the United Nations Environment Assembly recently announced that they would be starting the process of introducing a legally binding treaty on plastic waste. And what do you think that impact that treaty might have on the chemical recycling industry? In order to deal with the waste that we are using, there's a number of really important steps. The first one really is to reduce consumption. We have to get smarter at using less. So the consumption piece has to come first. If we consume less, then we're using less resources and we already consume way more resources than our planet can sustain. But I think the value of packaging is clear. It does, in food terms, prolong shelf life, allows us to avoid that food waste and also allows goods to be moved around safely without being damaged. And obviously, that's reducing the impact of attrition in, in, the, in the supply chain. And obviously, from the, the wider benefits of plastics in terms of lightweightedness, durability, and so on, we don't want to lose those benefits as well as the medical benefits we've had. We've, we've all had those through COVID. But what we've really got to get to now is a place where there is an integrated recycling environment. We know WWF have really said, well, it's, it's impossible to just bring a new set of technologies and expect it to work. We need a whole range of different infrastructure to come to bear at the same time. 
Well, we support that and our efforts working with policymakers is trying to ensure that there is the appropriate sorting, the appropriate collection processes to collect the plastics, otherwise people throw away and will end up in landfill or energy for waste. The, uh, the upstream piece has to work as well as what we can do. But if that regulatory approach that uh, DEFRA is now bringing in, if that begins to work, then we should see better streams of plastic being applied to a whole range of different recycling processes such as ours. We end up with better, cleaner feedstock that makes our cost operations become less costly and therefore we can then invest more. So the whole optimization of the system is needed to make this whole thing work. Chemical recycling is just one solution amongst many, but to make it work, we need to have the optimization of the upstream processes so that we can get our hands on the right plastic recycler and then ensure that that material is then brought back into beneficial use through you know, creating fresh hydrocarbon. Just one last question. What innovations can we expect from Eurotechnology in the coming months? So we're building our first commercial scale plant at Wilton Teesside. That's an important step for Mura because it enables us to really understand how these processes that we've been working with now for the last few years operate at scale, both from the feedstock coming in, the quality of the material we then produce through the process. The following steps really are then looking at how we then reduce the environmental footprint of the plant, the life cycle assessment. Whilst it's important that we share that information to stakeholders, it's also telling us really where we need to focus our efforts to reduce consumption. And as you would know, in the current climate, that's not just about CO2 emissions and global warming potential. It's also about reducing operating costs. So energy recovery is one of those areas that we'll be looking to, as well as improving process through the first plant design. And the second generation plants that will follow on very soon will hopefully benefit from those additional steps. But I think the important thing to say here is that the process itself has already been proven to work at a a really good pilot scale. So whereas a lot of technologies within chemical recycling may still be at what I would call bench scale, we've already had a proven process running for over 10 years. And now this process is being taken to commercial scale. So the next step then becomes really how we can take more plants forward and deliver those at our sort of 20,000 or 50,000 tonne unit size. So we start to make a big impact on the plastics recycling infrastructure of countries we're then beginning to operate in, whether it be in Asia, the US or Europe. So at the moment, there's a lot of technology understanding to be done. But once we are operating that plant, we expect the technology rolled out rapidly across those domains. Brilliant. Thank you. So that brings us to the end of today's podcast. So thank you so much, Jeff, for taking the time to speak to us and providing your insights on chemical recycling. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. To stay up to date with the latest packaging news and any future podcasts, please subscribe to Packaging Europe. And you can follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. (laughs) 